way to kick off our year, to start in worship to him. Now, this has been a blessing already this morning, sharing around the table of God, which reminds us of our story each and every week. We do this as a family. But this morning, I want to share a message. It's really about 2018, about the year ahead. But before we look forward, I want to look back for just a moment, because 2017 was, was an incredible year in so many ways for our, our church family. Uh, in 2017, in fact, next week we're going to come, or in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a report for you that'll share more about uh, just some different numbers about 2017. If you're wondering about how many goldfish crackers uh, were consumed, we've got that in that report. Uh, how many cups of coffee were consumed in our, our uh, Go, Go Java bar and the crazers and all that they do and the volunteers back there, we'll have that. Uh, but also some other pertinent numbers and information just to tell the story in a creative way, hopefully, about all that happened this last year. A few highlights I think back on, one was the summer of service that we had last year. You remember this last summer, we challenged the congregation to 10,000 hours of service uh, over a 10-week period. And we exceeded that goal over 10,000 hours. It was over 10,005, I think, that we ended up having at the end of those 10 weeks. I'm grateful for so many who played a role in that and uh, found those opportunities for us and connected and served. Impact Week, the number of doors that we knocked on and uh, people we got to know and their stories. And so I'm grateful uh, for all of that. But uh, you might not know this, Celebrate Recovery, uh, you hear about it. It meets every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock in our building. And they, they meet for worship uh, all, uh, all the time, but they also meet uh, on a regular basis for step studies. And step studies are the place where the real work happens, where you walk into just the hangups, hurts, and habits in your life. And I want to let you know, if you're walking through a season where you need a community or want to walk through something that's going on in your life or take the next step of discipleship, this would be a great place for you on Wednesday nights. Come at seven. Uh, they'll have a worship time. I'll tell you more about what you might want to step into next. But I had 46 people this year walk through step studies. That's an amazing number. Those are 46 lives that have been changed and altered forever as a result of this program and ministry and the Blue Crew and all that goes on. So I'm grateful for what happens on Wednesday nights. Uh, we had 8,000 cups of coffee consumed, which may just sound like 8,000 cups of coffee, which is a lot for the crazers. We're grateful for that ministry. But each of those cups went to support different ministries that go on inside of our church and around our community. We love that, right? I mean, it's great if you want to get Starbucks coffee, but here you actually get to invest in the kingdom at the same time because this money's going back into our community through the donuts and all that that's eaten, uh, which I know may be a temptation this morning. Some of you are sore with resolutions and all that, but uh, 2017 was a great year. And this morning I want to accomplish just a couple of things. I want to take us back to our why as a congregation. When I talk about a why, what I mean is what is our purpose? What is our mission? What's the reason that we exist? And once we understand our why, then the what's become a lot easier, the how's and the what's. So I want to encourage us towards some how's and what's as a result of the why that I want to start us out with. But let's start with prayer this morning as we open God's word together. God, for this year ahead, we have no idea what is it in our future. We don't know what it looks like at the end of this year. We know last year, for many of us, it looked far different than we would have imagined. But we enter into this new year with new hope. And the turn of the calendar is a reminder of the new mercies that you give to us every single morning. We don't have to wait on January 1st for a new start. It happens every day in the kingdom of God. And for that, we're grateful. We are free, as we've sung today in several songs, God. I love that reminder that we are, we are free to follow you in everything we do. And so, God, as we make uh, our, our resolutions, our goals, our, as we just step into a new season in this year, I pray that we would keep in mind the importance of you the importance of our, our walk with you, uh, the importance of walking in a, a, a relationship of grace with you, to know that we have received much and to, much, to whom much is given, much is responsible also. And so God, we, we want to step into that responsibility and we ask you to remind us 
this morning of that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What I want to share with you this morning is not going to be earth-shattering information. And if you're new to us, this may be some new ideas, but, but really, um, if you've been to church uh, at all in your life, you may have heard the verse I'm going to share from this morning. It's in Matthew 28, if you want to get there ahead of time. It's a passage called the Great Commission. I've shared several times about this, even in the last three years when I've been here, because it's so central what the kingdom of God is all about. But I'm convinced that in our lives, uh, what we need less of is probably new ideas. <laughs> and what we need more of is to be reminded of what we already know and to put those things into practice. And so today I want to do some reminders. I want to remind us, take us back to our calling, our why, because if we forget why we exist, it's easy to get busy and be engaged in all kinds of things that really aren't central to our purpose as the people of God. So today's a day of recalibration, a day of realignment. Uh, they, they say that vision leaks in any organization. That can be true in a business. It's true in a church as well, right? Five years ago, the elders came with a new vision that Keith had spent time with the elders coming to and really excited about that vision. We continue to take it forward, but it's like a bucket that has a hole in it, right? It only stays at a certain level because vision leaks. And so today I want to refill that bucket and refill your imaginations and callings again today for all of us that are followers of Jesus. So turn with me, like I said, to Matthew 28. Nearly 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus spoke some words to some of his followers as he was about to ascend to heaven. And uh, so he'd been, he died at this point on the cross. He'd been resurrected. He'd appeared to over 500 people. And uh, so he shows up to those disciples. He's about to ascend to heaven. These are the words. These are his marching orders. These are the final commands he gives. And I think it's significant as we start this new year to be reminded of this. So this is Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I, every time I read that passage, I, I just get stuck on that line. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep reading in a minute, but I just want to speak to some of you that maybe, maybe you're struggling with the idea of coming to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you've been at it a long time, but doubt is still uh, an ever-present reality with you. Some people have the gift of faith, and we are grateful for those summer Christians that seem to see the glasses half full. God seems to always be present. We need those people's reminder, but some of us are more winter Christians. We struggle more with, with doubt and wondering, is this story the reality of the world? And I, I'm amazed by this line here because Jesus, it's not like this is before his death, right? He has been resurrected from the dead. They saw and heard about the cross. He's gone into the tomb. He's raised from the dead. He appears to them. He's got scars on his, his hands and his feet. And there are still people here in the midst of all that that are doubting. <laughs> I, I think about that and I think all it would take for me is to see the resurrected Jesus in front of me. And I would believe there'd never be any doubt the rest of my life. But for those of you who struggle and wonder, is, is a church community a place for me? Well, Jesus didn't kick out these people. All he did was give the, them a commission along with all those who worshiped and believed fully. So if you're in that space right now, we want to welcome you here. And uh, I hope you'll hear this commission for you as well. Let me keep reading verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's the commission? It's real simple, isn't it? Make disciples. That is our why as a congregation. That is our why every single one of us who are individuals. We are on a journey, all of us, to follow Jesus more deeply, to become disciples ourselves. But it doesn't end with us, does it? The call for us is to go, and it's to make disciples. 
to baptize them in Jesus' name, which is a crucial step in the journey that Jesus even does himself. And, and then it's to teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. And then there's that promise we shouldn't forget at the end. Wherever you go, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. The promise is for us as well that no matter what we're walking through, no matter where we are in the stage of this discipleship journey, the Spirit of God is with us still. The promise is to be there through whatever we walk through. This is our why as individuals, but this is our why as a congregation. Every congregation of the Lord's people that meets all over the world, we're called to make disciples. This is the mission that God gave at the end of his life through Jesus, through Jesus, the end of his life. It's our reason for existence. It's our vision and it is our purpose. We make disciples plain and simple. Now, Greenville Oaks does a lot of things, right? We, we open our doors on Sunday mornings and we have worship services and classes and, and worship opportunities for our kids. We have greeters at the door and we have coffee. So there's, there's all that kind of things that are going on, but you'd be amazed if you're here during the week, how busy this place stays through the week. We have a homeschool co-op group that meets on Mondays in our building. We have celebrate recovery and, 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 and hope class and others that meet on Wednesday nights. In fact, there are people that try to find a classroom on Wednesday nights and they can't find one uh, because it's so packed with people that are meeting, uh, working on life stuff that they're struggling with. There's groups that meet throughout our week in homes Greenville Oaks does a lot of things. We share communion every Sunday. We share time in community groups together. We, we feed hungry people. We go on mission trips. We do all kinds of things at Greenville Oaks. But let me make sure this is clear. All of those things are means to a greater end. And the greater end is that we're called to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So once we come to an agreement about that, that that is our main purpose, that is our main goal as the people of God, this is where churches begin to kind of make mistakes sometimes. And I want to talk about some of those mistakes about this great commission and how churches have taken a different path, I think, over the generations. We kind of lost the track of, of the mission simple uh, that Jesus has given to us. But before I get to that, I want to talk about a different shift in our culture that happened in the 18th century. Um, in the 18th century was the Industrial Revolution that really started in, in, uh, in Europe. And then by the end of the 18th century, it came over to the United States, played a major role in the shaping of how we develop and build things, right? Before, things were handcrafted, almost everything, right? But, but now, with the Industrial Revolution, it's machines that make things. And, and, and I got to thinking about that as an illustration for what we're walking through as a church. It really has impacted our lives quite a bit, this whole idea of handcrafted Versus this move, move to machine crafting. It's changed the way we, our worldview, it's changed the way we think about everything. And there are many things that are greatly improved as a result of the Industrial Revolution. The gadgets and the things that we have, they're made easier in assembly line approach. And, and, and greater profit can happen for businesses as a result of that. But there are things that are lost in that change as well. So I called our resident person I call when I come for illustrations about this kind of thing. I called Shane Spencer, who plays guitar sometimes for us. He's always watching a YouTube clip about something and has all the tools. So I said, okay, handcrafted and machine crafted. Do you have anything for this? He sent me this video, and we cut it down. It was a little longer. He loves those long YouTube videos. But anyway, we, he showed me this. I thought this is an interesting way just to kind of get at this whole idea and image what we've lost maybe in the handcrafted and machine crafted world we're in. Let's, let's show that video.
go on YouTube and see a lot longer video about all that. But you know, that, just a video as simple as that reminded me of the change in our world. People say they don't make things like they used to. And there's a reality to that. Like, there's, a, there, there's this sense that we're going to have to replace things often because they're not made to last like they once did. And this shift from a machine-crafted world to a handcrafted world, or the opposite way, from handcrafted to machine-crafted, has found its way in, into our discipleship process as well. I want you to think about when Jesus was on the earth and, and the vision he had. He, he dreamed of a world one day that would know about the love of God, that he would enter in in, in human flesh, and he would live among us, and he would preach about the kingdom of God. And I want you to think about how do you get that message out? And in our world, we think about mass-producing things. We think about big box stores. And we tend to think about processes. And we tend to think about assembly line approaches to things. But when Jesus was on the earth, he spent time with 12 guys more than all the rest. He did preach to crowds. And they ebbed and flowed as he preached easier messages and harder messages about his body a little bit later in his ministry. But I think about him and, and, and what he could have done. I think in our world, in terms of church, how we think about it, Jesus should have launched this mega church, right? And he could have started a seminary for, for rabbis in that day. He could have created a healing ministry where he taught people how to do all that, right? But Jesus instead spent his time handcrafting 12 disciples. He spent three years with them. He showed them what it was to follow him. And he, they, they saw every move that he made. And I think about that decision versus our world. That's not how we go about things. We tend to think quantity over quality, don't we? We tend to think, how can we get to the next step? I mean, this is true in your business. It's probably true in your family, thinking about budgeting. How do we just make sure there's enough? Or how do we continue to grow things? How do we create a discipleship program that can take as many people as possible through the program? And then on the other side, we'll, we'll have disciples. But Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't create an assembly line approach to discipleship. He handcrafted them. He walked with them. They're they had the, the, the dust of their rabbi on them because it was a unique incarnational approach. He handcrafted his disciples. That was his strategy, and it worked. I mean, look, here we are in Allen, Texas, thousands of years later, and that decision to do that kind of quality with 12 guys has turned into a, a worldwide movement. This is our why as the people of God is to handcraft disciples. It doesn't happen by a machine approach. It means each of us walking with others and being walked with by others who are further on the journey. And here's the problem with the modern church. We stopped making disciples and we started making churches. And there's a difference between those two things in reality. Because churches often tend to focus around events, and they often tend to think about big, and, and, and how do we make sure we get people through classes, and make sure we get people through two worship services? How do, we, how do we plan events? And sometimes a church staff can get into that mode where we're planning event after event after event, and we lose track of what the original mission was. Sometimes in your life, it can be this way, can't it? Is you, you walk through the, the Bible reading plan for the year, but you wonder, have I really grown to look more like Jesus or follow any more of this than I did the year before? And I think about this issue and I think about how we've opted for the industrial revolution. We opted for an assembly line, for machine craft rather than handcraft. And it's time for us to give up on that project. Because here's the truth. We're called to make disciples. And for the past few hundred years, we've been really good at making churches instead. And the problem with that is, if you decide to make churches, there is no guarantee that you're going to get disciples on the other side. But if you make disciples... Every single time, you're going to find a community of believers, a church, a community of faith on the other side. Because disciples are not mass-produced. They must be handcrafted. 
And that means that discipleship is always going to occur, not as individuals reading our Bibles alone. It happens in community. It happens in circles rather than rows. That's how it worked in Jesus' day, and it still works that way today. And I want to tell you, as a church, we have a dream of being a part of a disciple-making movement in Collin County. It's not going to just be our church. It's going to be other communities of faith that are doing the same thing, that see the great commission of Jesus and want to step and partner with others, not in competition with one another, not trying to create the best machine or event, but who are walking step-by-step step with real people in real life. That's what we want to be a part of as a church. We want to be a community of disciples who makes disciples who makes disciples. And it's a wonderful thing to have an event. It's, an, it's a wonderful thing to have inspiring worship like we've had today. I don't think God's against any of those things. But we're not here, first and foremost, to plan events to come to. We're here, first and foremost, because of the why and our purpose to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And the promise is God's going to be with us in that task. And too many churches and Christians have lost sight of that purpose. So today I want to talk, that's the why, right? That's why we exist. And it's easy to give lip service to that. It's harder to figure out how do we make that transition, right? How do we move from just making sure you go to these things and disciple pops out the other side to really walking step by step with people? So I guess I'd ask you that question this morning individually. Who, who is it this morning that you would, it would be the first name that would come to mind as someone who is discipling you, that's walking with you, who's further on the journey, stepping with you through that. Do you have a name in mind? Or maybe somebody that you want to take that step with? Keep that in mind, but I also want you to think of another name. What do you think of somebody who maybe hasn't yet started their journey with Jesus? There's somebody you know you've come to appreciate and love. You see the gifts they have, and maybe they haven't made a commitment to Jesus, or maybe they've just started and they need someone to walk with them. I want you to consider that name this year too, because we need people on both ends of us, don't we? On both sides, people who are walking with us, who've been further down the journey, and people who can join us and partner with us as we disciple them as well. It's not enough just to disciple them, it's to disciple them to disciple others, right? It's this continuing journey that Jesus gave to us. So I want to talk this morning about kind of three big rocks or three things that as a, as a group of people we want to emphasize this year. And they're not emph- we're not emphasizing these things because we think they're events that are machine-crafted ways of discipleship. We think this is integral to what it looks like for us to each become disciples of Jesus. And they're, they're not really new ideas. It's not some balloon drop Sunday where we're going to drop really big things. It's, it's kind of a going back to the, what, it, what it should be all about. Last year, we actually started this process. If you remember, we'd spent a lot of time in our worship services trying to start an instrumental service. And what a blessing that's, that's been. It's given, a, 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 I think, a smaller hurdle for people to maybe climb over on their way to Jesus who may not have been to church. And we're glad that we spent that time. But last year we said, you know, we really want to stop trying to spend as much time focusing on how we make a better worship services. And we want to spend more time figuring out how to do life in the kingdom together, how to grow in discipleship. So we're, we want to take the next steps this next year. One of the ways we want to do that, the first kind of a big rock, is we want to begin to tell more and better stories about the kind of transformation that's happening in our church family. We want to be more real about our lives together. This happens every Wednesday night and celebrate recovery if you were to go there. You, you hear stories, and you hear testimonies, and you hear the reality of people's lives. And, and some of the people from Celebrate Recovery have really brought to us and said, you know, I, boy, I wish Sunday morning was more like that. I think we all wish that, don't we? We wish that, that we could come in and not have to wear a mask, right? That was what Baggage Claim, a series I did a few years ago, and starting Celebrate Recovery was intended to do, was to not come in here and act like everything's okay, but to be honest about our lives. That's the only way that real growth occurs is to step into vulnerability with people that we trust in circles. 
So we want to push more into that this year. As a leadership, we want to commit to being more real and honest about what's going on in our lives. I want to do that as your preacher. I think it starts in leadership, but it's got to funnel through all of us, committing to tell more stories. And that's really hard because when you have ministries like Celebrate Recovery, it's really important that confidentiality is a part of that. They commit to that uh, really strongly. And so there's a lot of stories we can't tell. And that's okay, right? We need to create that space. But we hope more of you this year might be willing to step up and tell your story for the first time. It's actually a request we'd make of you is if you're kind of to that point, you're like, I haven't had a chance to tell my story. And this is amazing what God's been doing. Let us know about that. We want to tell more of those stories through video and through uh, live testimony. Sometimes as a staff, it's hard to know how to tell those stories for confidentiality, but also uh, because we don't want to brag at all on ourselves in this. And what we need to realize is we're not bragging on ourselves when transformation happens. It's the work of God. And to not testify to that is to steal and rob him of the glory he deserves. And so we want to do a better job this year, first of all, with that, with telling more stories about the work that God is doing in our community, uh, in our churches, in our families. So help us with that as you can. The second thing is we want to focus again this year on the next step of our community groups. Uh, Our community groups are our small groups. And you heard some about this in class, maybe if you were there for our combined adult class today. Uh, We've always had in our community groups a, a a kind of group called connect groups. And connect groups are kind of core of the ministry where nine to 12 months you spend time with the same families in a home or someplace in our community. And that's, those are great. That's the core. And we continue to want to ask you to be a part of those if you're a part of them. But last year we lowered the threshold. We, we realized that nine to 12 months was a big commitment. And so last year with the Simple Truth series that I preached, I encourage you to think about hosting a conversation. You remember this? Uh, about seven weeks and just have this in your home, uh, have people over, and I'll provide, we'll provide questions for you, and I'll provide a Facebook Live video that if you weren't here or you have conversations with people in your neighborhood or workplace, that, that way I can catch you up on the sermon. If you're serving in nursery, you can get a, a quick catch-up and then a bridge into that conversation. We're going to do the same thing this year for seven weeks, starting next week with a, a series that we're calling Good Work. And I'm really excited to tell you more about that at the end of our service today. But this morning, we have tables that are spread out as you leave today, and if you have any interest at all in hosting another one of those sermon focus groups, seven weeks, conversation about work, and it's not just about, for those of you that are retired or stay-at-home moms and dads, I want to assure you this has to do with all of you. Our stay-at-home moms and dads are some of the hardest workers we have, aren't they? I know that's true about uh, Holly in, in, over the last few years in our life. And, and I think about our retirees. Sometimes we think we retire, but retirement doesn't come in the kingdom of God. This is larger than just about our full-time jobs. This is about the good works that God has called you to. So I'm excited to tell you more, but if you have any interest in hosting one of those conversations, we'd love for you to fill out your information. All that'll mean is Keith Maloney, our uh, community groups minister, will get in touch with you and and, uh, give you more information about how you can get those questions and we can uh, make that as easy as we can on you. So be thinking about that. Sign up for today as you leave if you want any more information about that. Uh, In the year to come, we have another exciting opportunity. We have a discipleship experience. It's an 11-week journey called Rooted that other churches have, have been involved with. And our staff and our staff spouses walked through this last summer. And it was a transformational encounter for us. Um, it has to do with devotionals that we walked through, really building block stuff for growing disciples from the ground up. So if you're new to faith and you're wondering what your next step may be, this fall we're going to be having this rooted experience. We'd really love for you to be a part of it. But if you've been a part of this for a long time, the journey of faith, and you're thinking, man, I've got, I've got to grow again. I've got to restart this. We'll be sharing more in the fall third quarter about ways that you can engage with that. But I'm really excited about this. Our, some of our elders have been through this and, and some of our leaders, and, and we're really excited about uh, unveiling more of this later this fall. The third piece, though, is uh, about service. 
about service, about uh, becoming a part of a, a service team here at Green Below. If you're part of our community, there's three things we really ask you to do and be a part of, to commit to. To join a gathering, that's our worship. You checked one off of the year already, right? Join a worship gathering, be a part of our worship services. But the second thing is join a group. Find a group like we talked about. That's a connect group or a sermon focus group where you can be in community because like we say often, circles are better than rows. You can't grow in discipleship in a room this size in the same way you can around uh, a table. Uh, but we also ask you to do one more thing. That's to join a team, to find a place of service in this church family. And uh, Greg Pertle would be the one to talk to you if you have interest more in finding that place. I know a lot of you have found places to serve. I, want, I, found, I found an amazing stat a couple of weeks ago that some of our, our team helped uh, me realize about all that it takes to, to bring what happens on Sunday morning here. It, it, let me make sure I get this stat right before. I don't want to be making it sound more than it is. hard to believe it's even this many. It takes 197 people every single Sunday morning for everything to happen as it does around here. Think about that. About a fifth of our church family that are serving on a Sunday morning. And of course, that mixes from week to week, different people. And so what I want to say is thank you. That's, a, that's an amazing thing from from, from the coffee shop to greeting to our children's ministry and worship to uh, people who are serving communion, ser- serving on our uh, praise and worship bands, uh, teaching and classes. There's all kinds of things that happen. Thank you for the amazing ways that happens. That doesn't even count midweek stuff that goes on. So I know so many of you are involved in so many things and have found your pa- passion, found your calling, found your place of service. Thank you. But we, we know that that's not spread equally, right, across our body, that some have more responsibilities than others, and some haven't yet found their place here to serve. And we want to encourage you to, to take your next step on what that may look like. Greg would love to talk more with you about that. Um, he's actually in the back, and you can find him after service, maybe up front or in the back. would love to talk with you. But what we believe is what Paul taught, and that is that the body of Christ is made up of many members. And some are more public in their gifts, and some are more private. But the Spirit has gifted every single person in the body of Christ to serve. And the church is at its best when every part is serving the function that God has gifted them to engage. So we're always hurt when people aren't engaged because we're not fully uh, living out the, the mission that God's given us as a body. And so this year may be your year to step up and take that step. We'd love to encourage you to do that, to talk to one of us on staff, and, and, and we'll figure out what fits your schedule, what fits your passion and calling, and we'd love to help you take that next step. So those are the three things. It really fits those three strategies we talked about. Join a gathering, join a group, join a team. How do we learn to be more real? Step into groups. Uh, for discipleship and then find a place of service that connects with our community and within our church family. Let me, let me say that about service. Many of you are involved in our community in significant ways. This is not to say you have to have a place of service here, but we want you serving somewhere because it's part of the journey of, of faith together. And so if, there's lots of great nonprofits and ministries and, and just individual work you do on a regular basis. Thank you. Keep it up. Well, this morning, I, I want to say one more word and pr- tell you about the series that's coming up starting next week. I've been prepping several weeks, uh, several months actually for this series, and I'm really excited. We spent a lot of our time in church focused on what we do one day of the week. What about the other six days? So we shot this promo video this week just to kind of tell a little bit about what's coming up. And if, again, if you're looking at hosting a conversation, this will give you a little more information. We'll have this out on social media that you could share with friends too to invite them for the series. This is probably a great jumping off point for people who are starting resolutions and maybe wondering about God's call in their work. How does that work out? This would be a great series to invite them to. Let's, let's show this right now. In Genesis 1, God creates the world in six days. He creates plants and animals, stars in the sky, but on the sixth day, he creates humans. And he gives us two commands. He says, I want you to fill the earth, to multiply. We've done so well with that command. 
the second command is another one we haven't talked as much about. It's about ruling over the earth, having dominion. And that's a craft that God has called each and every one of us to, that we take what God's created and we create culture and civilization with it. You see behind me the city of Dallas, the skyline. John Neely Bryant in 1841 came to these shores of the Trinity and all he saw was a piece of land, a place to ford the river. But from that has come thousands of people because that trading post turned into a settlement and that settlement a city and that city has turned into suburbs where we live today in Allen, Texas. The city matters. God cares about the city. In Exodus 31, it's interesting. There's a guy named Bezalel, a guy you may not remember from scripture. Uh, He's the first guy that's described as having the spirit of God. You know who he is? He's not a preacher, a priest, or a prophet. Bezalel is a skilled craftsman who's going to work for God. His work matters. It's good work. So we want to invite you to a series, a seven-week conversation at Greenville Oaks beginning on Sunday, January 14th. During that series, we're going to talk about work and why our work matters, why it matters that gardens turn into cities. Because isn't that the story of Scripture? In Genesis 1, God gives us a garden with a tree of life and a river of life. And in Revelation 22, that river of life and tree of life is still there. But now there's a city as well, not just a garden. Because God gives us the earth and he calls us to cultivate life and city and commerce and trade. And we've done it well. We're going to have a conversation over the next seven weeks about what that means and how we engage in that. Because what matters is not the kind of profession you have. It matters that you do good work. Really excited to share this. Like I said, I think this would be a great place to invite friends and neighbors who may be walking through job transition or wondering, why does my work matter? It just doesn't seem like it's that significant. Some of you may be asking those same questions, and I I hope over the next seven weeks, God will speak in a a significant way into each and every one of our stories so that we can see not just Sunday is significant, but every single one of the days of the week with all that God's called us to do. Uh, So again, if you want to sign up for hosting that conversation, uh, hosting a, a, a good work group, uh, sign up in, in the back of the tables or around when you leave, and we'd love to get in touch with you more about uh, about what's coming up starting next week. Well, uh, one more thing before we close today. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be a part of a steering committee uh, with several other pastors in, in the city and in, the, in Collin County. And so uh, on Martin Luther King Day, which is not this Monday, but the following Monday, we're going to have the inaugural Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Appreciation Day. Um, it's a celebration of, of his life and all that he stood for. Um, He was obviously a Baptist minister and cared deeply about the work of racial reconciliation. I think it's a message that's needed in our world more than ever. And so I want to just wanted to make an invitation to you. This will be 1130 to one on Martin Luther King Day over at uh, at the Methodist Church here in Allen, just down the road to two buildings over. And I've gotten to know Reverend Todd Todd Harris and some other African-American pastors in our area. And we're really excited about what may come. So come for lunch that day. There'll be a sack lunch to take with you if you are getting back to work, if you're working on a on that day, but just wanted to uh, extend that invitation. I'll remind you of that again next week. Let's close as we, uh, we ask you uh, for unity uh, in this time and in this era. We ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we want to be a part of making disciples who make disciples. We know what our why is, but life uh, takes us all kinds of places and, and leaves us discouraged and depleted. God, I pray today that maybe we walk out with fuller buckets, with a clearer sense of who you've called us to be as a church and as individuals. And God, as we walk into this series about all that we do all through the week with the vocation, the callings you've given us, God, I pray that you'd make clear to us how that connects with your kingdom 
and uh, the rest of the week. God, as we leave today, I'm encouraged to send each of us out so that the church can be spread out through our community to be salt and light. Would you take us to do that today? It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.